good morning good afternoon good evening wherever in the world you are welcome to episode five of stemming from africa um i generally cannot believe i'm on episode five it's a big deal to me because i'm really trying to stay consistent so i'm i'm very proud <laughs> that you're this far and thank you so much for everybody who's listening to our old listeners thank you to our new listeners welcome i hope you enjoy moving on straight to this week's highlights i have had a good week for the podcast i recorded a number of people and one of the people i recorded is naima she's a software engineer and we had a really good conversation you'll hear it sometime in december i think and from that episode we went into just life and i ended up telling her about my career changes which i think i've spoken about before and so following that we actually had an ig live instagram live i don't know why i said ig an instagram live session where she talked about um, just how people can transition into tech and i've been thinking about digital health and looking at ways to get in and so guess who's coding so i just started coding and so far so good i'm doing what i think is the easy stuff so i'm enjoying it and i'm just looking at it as a way to grow and we'll see how that goes it's something i'm i'm actually genuinely really enjoying the other highlight this week is that christmas is just about 5 weeks away and i'm putting up the christmas tree over the weekend i'm really excited because this is my daughter's first christmas and i want to make it an african christmas so a lot of times when we see like christmas trees and stuff there's snow and there's you know like icicles and there's just things that i don't think are us um by which i mean they're not in our context so i'm trying to find african christmas decorations i have an idea of what i want but i can't seem to find it so if you know where i could get that please drop me a message on my instagram or on twitter or in my email let me know cuz i'm really looking forward to putting up the tree i'm one of those people who start playing the marakari i don't want a lot for christmas on 1st of november i'm those people i am it's me so moving on to thoughts for this week this week i have been thinking about the burning of schools and the state of education in Kenya and just how we normalize harmful practices so the way i see it i think that the pandemic has been really hard on everybody and especially children but i think that for a long time our society sees kids as there to be listened to and not to sorry to be looked at and not to talk and i think that that also translates to us not thinking about the effect that having such a cramped school program has on kids they're not able to play which is really important they're not able to socialize and grow in other aspects besides just um academic life and even in academic life i feel like a our education system tends to be a bit stifling so going on social media and seeing people say oh you know we 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 went through that system and we're okay and i'm like are, are you really <laughs> are you really you react to authority in very telling ways your creativity is stifled you stifle other people and that whole we did this and we're okay so you guys should be fine with it mentality is really weird to me because it's like okay so we suffered so you guys also have to suffer like people evolve society evolves and so i feel sorry for the children and also because kids are able to they they see their parents they see the stress their parents um are going through like trying to get school fees for the next term in a week and kids whose parents have lost jobs and kids who have lost family members like we think that a lot of times children don't are not aware but children are very aware of the environment and of the changes in the environment so that's been something that's 
really been weighing on me. Something else I've been thinking about or rather dealing with is um, now I'm going to get very personal. I deal with anxiety. Um, I've had like panic attacks in the past, especially when I was pregnant and just postpartum. Um, and so for some reason, I've had really terrible anxiety this week. Um, and it helped to speak to family members who also deal with, with that and realizing that I actually need to seek help. I tend to not seek help. I don't know why. So it, it's been a really um, difficult week that way. I share this because I I think that it's important to speak about mental health and all the challenges around it um, and any mental health issues we face. So yeah, anxiety is a bitch, <laughs> but we'll be fine. So moving on to this week's episode, I'm really excited for this week's episode because it's the first non-doctor episode. I told you we would have more and it's the first of many. So this week's episode features Bithan Zomo. She is a computer scientist and just really cool. We had the most interesting conversation. So I will not go to, into too much detail so that you can listen to it yourself. We spoke about a range of things um, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. It was really nice just getting to learn more about her story and her inspiration and what she's currently working on. She's incredible and I hope that you guys find inspiration and learn something new from her. So here you go and see you on the other side. My name is Mbiren Zomo. I am a computer scientist and early career AI researcher, currently doing my PhD at the University of Cape Town. Um, outside of career and work, I am an animal lover and I'm trying really, really hard to convince my husband to let us get a cat. And so far it's not working, but I will keep trying. Um, what else? Oh, since moving to Cape Town, I have surprisingly become a bit of a hiker. Well, I've done like three hikes, which if you know me before Cape Town, that was never, ever me. And I'm still surprised that this is how my life has sort of turned out. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying being here and I'm also really enjoying your podcast. So congratulations on, on starting this. I think it's a really great initiative. Thank you. I'm, I'm really glad you've talked about your time in um, Cape Town. So I'm just going to move on to Cape Town and then we can come back. So what inspired your, what made you want to be a computer scientist? Wow. Um, so it's a long story. I did not always want to be a computer scientist. In fact, um, when I was much younger, I really wanted to be a writer, um, a fantasy science fiction writer. And I think that's something that I still want to explore um, in the future. But I would write, uh, I would write notebooks. In fact, my sister called me the other day and she was telling me that she found some of my um, books from at my parents' place where I would write stuff like, um, this book includes a note from the author. And then inside it would be like, dear reader, I hope you have enjoyed my book. And I had like biographies, like Mpithan Zomo was born in Nairobi, Kenya. Like I was really into being a writer. <laughs> Um, and then in high school, I think I wanted to be an architect and I would spend a lot of time like fantasizing about buildings and scribbling buildings down. Um, and then towards the end of high school, I did computer studies and as part of the KCSE computer studies, we had to develop a program, like an information system. And I really, really, really enjoyed that process. And my computer studies teacher told me that maybe I should consider a career in like IT, computer science, whatever. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then that year, so the, the final year of high school, we went to the computer studies students, went to um, a Microsoft Women event. So it was an event organized by uh, Microsoft Women employees for high school girls. And that was the first time ever I had met like women who worked in the tech industry. In fact, it was the first time I had considered the tech industry as a thing. I don't know, it, it had never occurred to me that people could work in tech for some reason. Like, of course, I knew about technology, I knew about Google and Facebook, but that was the first time like I actually considered it, considered it as a viable career option. Um, and so I ended up in Strathmore studying informatics, um, which is where this all sort of began. Super, super detailed. Thank you so much. Um, so I know, <laughs> I know Mbitha because we were in high school together. She was, I think you were one year behind me. 
Um, and yes. then we follow each other on Instagram. So I've been able to kind of see that you've done really well for yourself. So I, you haven't mentioned this, but I know you did your master's abroad and you're, now you're doing your PhD. And I, as someone who also did my master's abroad, I just wanted to pick your mind on why you thought that would be a better option. Um, well, I thought it would be a better option because of my sister. So my sister studied in South Africa for her master's and she kept comparing um, her experience in undergrad and her experience in postgrad and it was like miles apart. So granted, my sister went to University of Nairobi and I went to Strathmore. So our experiences were, were quite different. Um, but the way she spoke about her student, her fellow um, classmates um, at Stellenbosch where she studied in South Africa and compared that to University of Nairobi, it was like miles apart. And I knew that I really wanted to experience that for myself as well. Um, so I thought that studying abroad would be great. And also because I was interested in AI. Um, by the time I was, you know, deciding to do my master's, I knew that I wanted to specialize in AI. And I thought that studying abroad would give me more opportunities in that space and allow me to interact with people who had more experience than um, would have been the case if I had stayed at home. And has that panned out the way you thought it would, it would in terms of the exposure and um, meeting new people and exploring new fields? Um, yeah, definitely. So uh, I don't know if you mentioned, but I went to Manchester um, for my master's. And shortly after I arrived in the UK, I was selected to be part of um, this event for women in AI by a company called Quantum Black. And that was such a fantastic event. Um, so already I was meeting people outside of my university even um, who had who are in the same field as me, who had a bit more experience, some a bit less. Um, but it was just a really nice way to sort of get into the community. But I should say that the AI community in Kenya is also growing considerably. Um, we have um, AI Kenya, which is run by uh, somebody that I know and a lot of people. So there's there's also opportunity in Kenya. So I just want to make it clear that um, it's not that there's nobody doing AI in Kenya at all, um, but I just really wanted to, to get that experience abroad. And then also I should mention some of my reasons for wanting to go abroad weren't career centric either. I had mm -hmm. never lived abroad. And I think that's just something really cool to experience um, living in a mm -hmm. totally different country, experiencing a new culture for an extended period of time. So yeah, that, that was great. And I, I definitely got to achieve that. Yeah, I, I can relate with um, just a different experience because I, I did my master's abroad as well. I wanted to find out how you found life abroad. Like, what was that experience uh, like for you? So I w for me, I was saying the reason I decided to do my degree abroad was two reasons. I couldn't find the exact degree I wanted here. And I also felt that I would get more exposure and just the specifics, like the specifically what I wanted to study. But also, very importantly, I, I just wanted to experience life abroad and away from my family because I have lived home my entire life, went to high school, was a day scholar, um, stayed at home as a like university student. So I was just like, okay, I need to go. Um, and it, it it's really, I really enjoyed my time there. I got very homesick though. <laughs> and um, winter is not my favorite thing. But oh, it was terrible. <laughs> that I I really enjoyed, and I I don't regret one bit um, uh, taking part in it. Yeah. How how did you find life? Because now you you studied in the UK, and then you're now in South Africa. How has that been for you? Uh, so the UK was interesting. I arrived in September, so the school year starts in September, and then shortly after is winter. So I didn't realize yeah. that my not so great attitude towards Manchester was because of the weather until spring came. And then I was like, oh my gosh, Kumbi, this city can actually be beautiful. Like I had no idea. And it was like an entire shift. And then that's when I was like, okay, so this is what people mean when they talk about seasonal depression. Like it's actually a thing. The weather can really influence your mood and not just your mood, like even the way the entire city looks, like it changes completely in the spring and in the summer. Like the weather can make such a huge difference. Um, so yeah, that, that's 
my experience in the UK was was pretty nice once the weather decided to behave uh, towards spring and, and summer. And then um, SA, of course, is much better because the weather, I mean, there's no, there's winter, but it's not UK winter. It's just a, it's a, it's a more moderate version of, of winter. Um, and I mean, Cape Town is such a beautiful city, which is one of the reasons why I chose it, because I knew the PhD would kick my ass. And I wanted at least, as my ass is being kicked, at least I'm living somewhere where it's beautiful and I can enjoy the views and all that. So I'm glad I came. Yeah, I can. I completely relate to the the seasonal um, just depression because I had the same thing in the UK. I am a child of the sun. I love when it's like 40 degrees <laughs> and hot. Like that's the kind of weather I like. So when I got there and then it got to winter, I remember just thinking, okay, I'm just going to hibernate now because <laughs> what else can I do? It was it it does it really does um affect your mood and your whole outlook. And I studied in London, London rains it seems like every day, you know. So it just was a lot. But when the weather got better, I, I left early because of COVID, this whole Pandora's box. But um, just before I left, spring started. And I remember thinking, oh, it's so pretty, you know. So, yeah, I can definitely relate with that. But um, now that you're in Cape Town and you just you started your PhD a couple of months ago, um, if you don't mind telling us what you're studying and and how that's going so far. Okay, uh, so my PhD is in computer science, and um, my area of interest broadly is in AI. And I'm interested in using uh, sensors, body sensors, um, for health monitoring, which is something a bit outside of my comfort zone, but also really, really interesting because it combines so many different, um, so many different fields. So there's um, the sensors, which is of course Internet of Things and electronics and signals. And then there's the health aspect, which involves a bit of delving into that domain as well. And, and um, later on, probably speaking to some domain experts in the field. But then there's also, because it's um, I'm, I'm working on AI, I also have to think about, um, you know, algorithms like machine learning and how to basically integrate all of these together. So at the moment, I am working on my research proposal, which I'm hoping to defend very soon. I must defend it very soon because I feel like I've been working on it forever and I'm so tired. I just want to finish with the proposal, defend it, and then start my research. Um, so yeah, that's that's what it's all about, basically. Um, this is weird for me because, sorry, I'm just going to come back, but um, all the other people I've interviewed before you are doctors, so I can usually, I know what they're talking about. Now I'm <laughs> out of my depth. <laughs> so everything you've said sounds really really smart and very like I got some words but I'm just like okay we'll need to look up everything she said later but um, I'm super <laughs> interested in the fact that you you're actually doing something to do with health because I love healthcare so yeah in your work is this something that you would want to grow to actually to to actualize it and make it a practical thing is it something that has the potential to I, is it something that has the potential to be done? Be more than a research project. Yeah. Like more than a prototype. Um, yeah, I think so. So uh, we've been working, when I say we, I mean like as a field, as a mm. discipline. We've mm. been working on, um, you know, health monitoring with sensors for a while, right? Uh, wearable sensors, uh, health monitoring systems, integrating wearable sensors so this has been happening in a while like sometimes I, I look up PhD theses in my field in this particular area and some of them are for like such a long time ago you know 2007 mm. 2010 mm. Um, people have been working on this for a while and of course we have um, established companies like for example Fitbit and you know smartwatches that are already uh, commercially available like you can actually take an ECG, for example, um, with some of these devices. So it's it's commercially available. And I think that then gives it a really good foundation for something that can be practically done. Uh, so I feel very confident that I'm working in a field that's established and that has a lot of fantastic potential. And so I'm sort of working on improving what's already there and not sort of starting from scratch. So if that makes sense. So yes, I think there's a lot of potential for it to be, um, you know, a viable 
commercial product because there are already examples of that. One of the reasons that I started this podcast is because a lot of times people find themselves, or let me not even talk about people. I found myself, I wanted to be a doctor and all I saw are men for the most part. Now times are changing and in my med school class, it was 50% men, 50% women, and I'm grateful for that. Um, so I, I don't know how your industry is in terms of the gender disparity. Are there many women? Are there many African women? Um, do you have a good support community or is it something that you feel like you're kind of building slowly on your own? So tech is definitely male dominated for sure. Um, but there are definitely uh, women in tech. I really don't like that term, women in tech. But, but there are definitely um, a lot of women who work in the technology industry as well. Um, and so I don't, feel, I don't feel isolated in terms of like gender. Um, where I do feel, and, and not, to, not to make the whole gender thing not as important, but where I feel there's a lot of opportunities for improvement is in terms of like Africa and the, the, the kind of opportunities that are available to us on the continent as opposed to the opportunities that are available outside of the continent. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, that's where I feel there's a huge disparity. But thank goodness for um, organizations like Black in AI and the Deep Learning in DABA, which are really working on bringing AI. Um, they're really working on facilitating community in AI within Africa and for Black people around the world, which I think is fantastic because the the real tragedy is at the intersection of those two things, like gender mm-hmm. and race. Black women, you're like a unicorn practically. Um, so it's it's really nice when I find a lot of women, black women in this field. Um, and there have been, there are some, and there are organizations that are actually working to build that community, which I think is fantastic. That's great. And I hope that truly, truly one of the reasons I started this podcast is because I wanted for young girls and young women to, to see themselves or well, rather to hear, obviously, because they're not seeing, but to, to yeah. know that there are people out there who are doing the things that they want to do or who can kind of um, that that they're not alone because sometimes it, it can feel very isolating. I I work in an industry where I don't feel that as much because nowadays there are many more women in medicine and kind of doing things. But then a lot of times when you look around you, I have for me I don't know why my family is mostly women and girls, <laughs> so a lot of my young cousins and I look at them and I kind of just want them to see that they can do so much more than the typical, you know, four careers, medicine, um, law, well, the other ones that everybody does. So, so far in your journey, because you're young, but I feel like you've achieved so much when you're talking about yourself, it's just like, wow, this this girl has really just, wow, done the thing. But <laughs> what's been your biggest, how do I put this, your biggest challenge and how have you overcome it or how are you still dealing with it if it's something that's ongoing? First of all, thank you for the compliment. Um, I would say one of the biggest challenges I faced was coming back to Kenya from uh, Manchester. And the idea was to find a job as a research scientist or a research engineer because I knew that I really wanted to get into research, but I was hesitant to jump right into a PhD. And so I really wanted to work in AI um, as a research scientist or a research engineer or in some kind of research capacity. And that's that was what I really wanted to do when I came back from my master's. Um, but unfortunately, it was really hard to find um, a job in that specific field. Because, I mean, I can count on one hand the number of um, places like research, AI research organizations in Kenya. Um, and just recently, Microsoft came. Um, and there's the Microsoft Africa Research Institute, and they, I know they're they're hiring um, a lot of AI researchers. But I mean, it's still quite the, the the opportunities are still quite limited in Kenya, at least. Long story short, I didn't get um, a job in AI research. I got a completely different job, um, but that was a huge challenge, and it really took a toll on me uh, because I felt I was like, okay, so I left Kenya. I went to do my master's abroad and I specialized in this specific thing that I really wanted to do. And now here I am working on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of what I wanted to do. Um, and it was actually, it was a really tough time. And then of course the pandemic happened and then 
so I had a few opportunities like lined up and everybody was hiring, was freezing their hiring. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the worst time to be on the job market ever. Um, thank God I had a job. Um, it wasn't the job I wanted, but it was a job. So at least um, there was that, but I, it still really wasn't what I wanted. Um, so doing my PhD and starting my PhD in many ways felt like I was putting my career back on the right track because I felt like I had been derailed and that was that was not great, the feeling of not being able to do what I wanted to do. Uh, so starting my PhD was my way of reclaiming myself and my identity as an AI researcher because that's what I really, really wanted to do. I love that. I love that you you decided this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it regardless and yeah especially i feel like for a lot of people and i personally for me I, I relate with coming back or just wanting to do something and then the pandemic comes and it's just like it puts a stop to everything and you're like okay so now where to start and i i love that you actually decided okay i'm just gonna keep moving on and doing what i want to do um along with that uh question about the challenge what's been this might you might actually have answered this before, but what's been your favorite? What's your favorite part about your career or your job? What do you like the most? Like what makes you wake up? In the morning, if your job is what makes you wake up in the morning, <laughs> sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's what makes me want to stay in bed. Especially now, like I mentioned, I'm working on my research proposal. Oh my god! Anyway, <laughs> um, what I love about okay, so my job at the moment is being a PhD student. And what I really love about it is the fact that I'm basically learning. Like my entire my entire job description at the moment is, I don't know, am I allowed to use cuss words in this video? But it's yeah. messing around and finding out. That's what research is, right? Fuck around, find out. And that's that's really fun. Like I actually get to experiment and find out new things. And it's it's very self-directed, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But it's it's really fun that I can basically choose whatever I want to research on and choose whatever direction I want to go and choose what I want to experiment. And even if it fails, that's part of the research process. That's still valuable. It's still valuable to know that I did X, Y, and Z and it didn't pan out. And then I can actually um, communicate that to the rest of the research community so they can know what not to do. And that's also valuable as well. So yeah, that's that's the funnest part about it. Along with that question, because I feel like a lot of times people don't get like a proper picture. And that's why I asked you both the challenges and also like what's really fun. Because I think sometimes we tend to almost glamorize some aspects of our career. So people don't exactly know what to expect. And I say that from a personal um, point of view where, um, you know, you see what happens on like TV or movies and then you think that's how it's going to be. And then you work and you're like, okay, so it's not like that. <laughs> so what am I going to do? But what would you tell um, high school you or like someone who is looking to join um, the career? What what would you tell them? Wow. I've been thinking about this a lot um, because I guess it's in as much as you say that I seem to have achieved a lot for my age. Sometimes I feel like I haven't because um, a lot of people around me seem to have achieved so much more at an even younger age. So I'm 28 years old and I feel like in Kenya, that's young for a PhD because a lot of people in Kenya do PhDs when they're, you know, way, way further along in their careers. But abroad, a lot of people tend to start their PhDs like right out of undergrad or, or generally like younger. And so, you know, I've been really thinking about whether me starting my PhD after uh, give or take like three, four years of professional experience um, was the best direction for me to take. And I mean, I've been thinking about it and I don't have any regrets, but there are things that I would have done differently if I had known that I wanted to do a career in research. Um, so for example, right from undergrad, I think I would have started, you know, doing research internships. Um, I would have probably collaborated with uh, some of the professors that I knew were doing research, tried to see if I can publish a couple of papers. Um, I mean, that's, okay, that's a lot of pressure for an undergrad. Um, but, you know, just sort of dipped my, my toes into the research world. And um, when I was an undergrad, I didn't really even know 
that like research was sort of a viable career um i always thought of it as being solely in like the academic space so people who got phd's were going to be professors fyi i have no intention of being a professor none whatsoever um mm-hmm. that's not my goal here um my goal is to be is to do research in industry and it, it, i didn't realize that that was a thing until pretty much like the the last minute of my undergrad when mm-hmm. we went on a um academic trip to different universities in Europe and then actually interacted with PhD students and people who are actually doing research but i wish i had sort of known that it was a viable career and then i would have started to do things um to sort of set me up better for success um but ultimately i i have no regrets about how my career panned out if you had known that do you think you would have gotten the opportunities or had the mentorship to be able to actually do pursue the career in research straight from the beginning that's a very good question um so yes and no i think yes if i had thought outside the box and no if i had uh if i had sort of just looked at the people around me and confined myself to what was going on around me so of course in hindsight like i can see you know a million things that i could have done um i could have even gone abroad even though like if research opportunities weren't available in kenya i could have gone abroad for that um with a very focused uh focused perspective on this is what i want to do while there are no opportunities maybe do you think that you'd have gotten the mentorship to do that did you have the opportunity to get mentors um when i think back to where i was then no but if i had known that that was what i wanted then maybe i would have sought them out um because we have people like even right now someone like dr chao bogo is someone i really look up to and mm-hmm. she was i think she started her phd in 2012 if i'm not mistaken um so all this to say like she could have been somebody that i could have reached out to um mm-hmm. and and asked like what what are some of the things that i need to work on if i really want a career in research um but of course at the time i my mind totally wasn't there so that's not that wasn't my focus at all mm. yeah hindsight is always 2020 you always think about like when you yeah. look back you're like ah i wish i'd known that i'd have done things completely different so i i get that sometimes it's just you can just have to go through life and then look back and be like i see <laughs> where i need yeah to yeah what's a common misconception about your work in your industry something that everybody thinks that is completely wrong. So I'll start. For me when I think of like anybody in like tech, I just think robots. I don't know why in my mind. I know it's dumb. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> But in my mind I'm just like robots. That's it. You know, actually I worked with robots um for my masters. That was one of the funnest projects ever. So my masters mm-hmm. project was in human robot interaction and it was so fun to program that robot and I mean it was it was really fun um but i think the the biggest misconception about ai is first of all ai is such a hype thing these days mm-hmm. and there are lots of companies and products that are just slapping the ai label on whatever it is they're selling and then people sort of buy into that and believe that the product or the company is somehow superior because they are using AI whatever that means and that's another thing AI is actually an umbrella term there are so many like specific fields within the broad field of AI mm-hmm. um but one of my favorite uh, lectures is actually on AI snake oil I I need to look up who did the lecture but it's a professor um at Princeton and he did a really good lecture on snake oil AI basically AI that is purely um snake oil and not actually a legitimate product mm-hmm. so I'll tell you what I mean um people there are some companies that build AI products that are that can only be described as dubious and a lot of these are products that tend to predict social outcomes one of the most ridiculous ones i saw was an algorithm that claimed to tell whether somebody is lying based on how they walk that is ridiculous no ai products can do that that's that's a lie or you know deciding how trustworthy somebody is based on their face that's that's not that's a misuse of ai it's um 
it's actually quite harmful. And, you know, things like this, oh, oh, I actually remembered one particularly weird one. So one that used natural language processing. So you can input a name and then it tells you the gender of the person. First of all, why does that product even exist? Second, there's no way that's accurate. There's just no way. So um, a lot of people are building these weird products which are dubious and, you know, harmful and people are buying into that. And that's one of the biggest uh, misconceptions about the field, that just because something has AI, it's somehow legitimate or it's a good product or AI is better than not AI, which is ridiculous. Some things, honestly, a human can't do better. Some things AI has no business even trying. Like, for example, predicting whether somebody's lying based on how they walk. Ridiculous. I'm so glad you you um, talked about that because I, th- I think that if... I see that a lot on social media. So you'll be scrolling Instagram and then like there'll be a random app um, that tells you, you you just need to shine a light on your finger and it will tell you your blood pressure. And I'm like, that doesn't seem, <laughs> that doesn't seem like it would work, but okay. But then the thing is, for uh, it's true what you said, AI is a very hype thing right now. And right now, a lot of us, a lot of, I know myself personally tend to, anything that kind of seems fresh and new or makes life easier is very attractive. So it does have a bit of that snake oil um, thing to it. So that's that's really interesting. As we almost wrap up, so what does the future look like for you? I know you're doing a PhD and I don't know how long your PhD will look like, but what does that look like for you? If everything is kept constant, what do you? what does your future look like for you? Okay, so first of all, <laughs> I, I just want you and all your listeners to know, please, asking a PhD student when they are finishing, that is an act of violence, okay? It is it is actually an act of violence. <laughs> we don't know. Don't ask us. We are stressed. Um, but my PhD should take three to four years. So, I mean, fingers crossed that happens. I always tell people, for the first time in my educational career, I am unsure about whether I will finish Like at no point in my bachelor's degree did I ever wonder, hmm, will I graduate? At no point in my master's was I ever in doubt. Now with this PhD, I'm like, will I get it? Will I not? It's a mystery. I don't know. It's hard. Um, But hopefully I get it. (laughs) Hopefully. I hope my funders don't listen to this podcast interview. Um, But anyway, hopefully I get the PhD. Um, My plan has always been to return to industry uh, and I would really like to work as a research scientist um, in industry. I can also see myself working in um, in development, like in a development um, consultancy kind of capacity um, where I, because now I'm, I'm working on digital health, I think that's really impactful and I would really like to work, to continue my work here. Uh, what else? I really hope to get that cut. That's, that's something very important to me. And um, I'm working on convincing my husband to do that. Uh, I would like to, I'm, I'm trying to psych myself and gear myself up to hike Table Mountain. Mm. I am very scared at the prospect, but also a bit excited. My husband is gearing to go and I am like, no, I don't want to do it. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll just go without you. And I'm like, okay, good luck, don't die. Um, it's very scary for me, but hopefully one day I'll be able to do it at some point while I'm still here. Um, and that's, I think that's as far as I can plan. Like, I really don't know <laughs> past that, but hopefully, um, hopefully I'll be happy, whatever it is that I decide to do. I love your answer. I love your answer so much because a lot of times when you, people get asked that question, they only answer it in one facet. So career wise, I love that you've embodied everything because one of the mistakes, not really a mistake, one of the things that I see happens a lot, especially with women, I don't know why, is you kind of have to be one thing, you know, just one thing. So I like that when you gave that answer, you talked about your career and your family and like the other things you do outside of your job. And when you figure out how to get that cut, please let me know because I have almost the same situation. Although mine, <laughs> I like cuts. I'm allergic, but I want a cut. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so um, as we wrap up, um, what what's your favorite thing about Cape Town right now? Right now it's the weather. So we we are just coming out of winter. And Cape Town winter is strange because Cape Town wind is unlike any other wind I've experienced. Like it's very ferocious and and very, 
yeah, it's ridiculous. So combine um, cold weather with wind, with rain, and it's just, it's not great. But now we are heading towards summer and there's lots of sun and the sun rises at like five, <laughs> which is a bit annoying when I'm trying to sleep. And like I got curtains, but it still peeks through. Um, but yeah, just the, the weather and the fact that, oh, the fact that we are vaccinated now, that's amazing. Um, mm. So vaccination ha- has opened up for kids as well. So now we can actually go outside um, a lot more than we could before vaccination. So that's that's also really nice. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, if I ever yeah. go to Cape Town, I will look for you. I really want to go to Cape Town because I have Yeah, you should. <laughs> like, I'm really trying to get, I'm trying to get as many people as possible to please come to Cape Town and visit me. So please come. Um, you will have somewhere to stay, I think. I live in a one-bedroom though, so <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see about the couch. But anyway, um, yes, please come and I'll be happy to meet up with you and host you and everything. All right. Um, I don't know if this is a premature question to ask you, but so I have a couple of friends who are doing their PhDs and one very common um, theme with PhDs, which which you kind of talked about, is the lack of knowledge, like the not knowing when you'll finish, if you'll finish (laughs) and how the journey will go. And um, I think that I've seen a lot of people have is like having a lot of mental health struggles. Like I said, I know you've just started, but is that something you've had to deal with yourself? so far uh yes yes like no sooner had i begun then i was i don't know I, I started to understand the monumental task that's ahead of me so one thing i will say is the best decision you can make or the most important decision you can make is, is your choice of supervisor that's like so important and i am very lucky because my supervisor is not only empathetic and kind he's also just an all-round supportive person so on that front, I'm quite lucky. Um, and I also have other sets of privileges. For example, I'm fully funded, so that's great. Um, another privilege I consider is that I live in a sunny country, so that's great. I mean, we have talked about how the weather can really influence um, your mental health. But still, it's a tough journey, and mm-hmm. I have experienced some really tough days. I have a therapist, so that's one thing that I would recommend to every, not, not, just, not just even PhD students, like everybody. If you are able to, if you have the capacity, getting a therapist mm-hmm. is such an important thing. It has helped me, certainly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a tough journey. And I think for me, one of the toughest things is just the lack of structure. So, I mean, I don't, I don't have like an exam to sit and then I know that I've done well. Or I don't have there's no mark sheet that has all the answers. And so I can just refer to that. Like it's completely uncharted territory, well, to some degree. Um, and so that's that's been something to get used to. And it has definitely taken a toll. Um, but I I think um, the, the other privileges that I have are sort of propping me up and setting me up for, for success, I think. Thanks. Thanks for being honest about that because I, I really feel like I'm I'm also a huge proponent of therapies. I tell everyone to get a therapist. I'm like, listen, <laughs> we all have wounds. <laughs> we all have some trauma or the other. We all have things to work through. So, and I, I do have a couple of friends who've had to kind of stop their PhD in the middle because of something that came up and the uncertainty of it all. And um, sometimes, you know, being in a different country can be really difficult. So I'm glad that you talked about that. Mm-hmm. I think we should talk about like husbands in terms of because there's this weird thing a very absurd thing of uh he let you do a phd or he's followed you or Mm. i mean and it's very very strange very weird and i don't know how we can talk about it but let's talk about that I'm I'm glad the way you talked about it i'm so glad you brought that up because it gets on my last nerve (laughs) so (laughs) i know you're married and you got married last year yeah um just before you went for your phd it seems like i'm stalking you i'm so sorry i'm not (laughs) but i know you follow me so it's fine (laughs) Um, i cannot put that information out there well on my instagram not really out there um but yes how was the reaction to to having moving and then your husband quote-unquote following you and the the (laughs) you know perception 
Yeah, so I mean, I of course did not think anything of it. I thought it was just a very natural thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there were a few interesting um comments that that I had, you know, um around the fact that he came all the way to to be with me um which is very strange because you would never hear that the other way around in fact we are so used to um women sort of dropping everything and then following their husbands but Mm -hmm. when it's the other way around it's a bit of an anomaly um but other than that i would say my family both sides of our families were very supportive um which which is definitely a good thing i just hope i don't get any child related questions um because i don't i do, i think i would be very rude about it so this is just i'm preemptively telling people please don't ask me about anything to do with whether or not i am planning to have a child and what the phd will and how just don't ask just it's fine it's not your business it's okay yeah i i i am a strong believer in people minding the business that pays them i really feel like yes. you ask people questions about um when they're having children if you have no intention of helping them raise those children before I got um, pregnant, everyone would be like, so when are you getting pregnant? And towards the end, I said to ask people, so when are you going to pay the fees? Because it's really not your business. It's it's honestly not your business. I maybe don't want to have a kid, or I do, but I'm having a problem. Or maybe I don't have a kid, and I want to have a kid when I'm 50. Ultimately, it's none of your business. But um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I really relate to having people ask you about your husband following you. When I left to study, I was already married and I'd been married for just over a year. So I went and told my work, like my ex-workmates that I was leaving and, you know, like letting people know around me that I'm leaving. And people were like, oh, it's so good that your husband has given you permission. I was like, <laughs> what? And then um, something else I got asked commonly was, so now who's going to take care of him? And I was like, this man was taking care of himself before we 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 were even together. I mean, seriously, really? And then I got told also, I remember somebody told me, oh, you know, this is how people um, lose their husbands. Once another woman starts cooking for him, that's now he's gone. And I just said, okay, you know, if 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 someone else cooking for him is what's going to make him go, then really nothing was ever going to stop him. But also yeah. what I found really strange was I was the one leaving to go to a completely different country where I knew nobody and nobody was asking me who was going to take care of me. Like he, he was staying mm-hmm. here with all our family, like both sides of the family. And I remember it was only when my mother-in-law asked me like, oh, who's going to take care of you there? is when it occurred to me that nobody had actually asked me how who was going to take care of me like i'm moving to another country do you do you not see that i'm the person who's going to a completely different place and people kept asking me like also oh, who take care of your husband who will <laughs> who will cook for your husband who will clean for your husband and um it's what you said that whole intersection of like being a woman and having a career and this um things that women are supposed to do and I just thought, this is so strange. I even asked someone, so if my husband was the one going, would you ask these questions? And she straight up told me, no, I wouldn't ask. You know, men have to go and and look for money for the family. And I just thought, I actually can't have this conversation with you. I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> so, yeah. Our people are ridiculous. It's it's just, yeah. I I I hope nobody asks you those um, child questions. I remember someone made a comment Um it was just a few days before I left, but they told me, so you guys have decided no children, huh? And I just thought, <laughs> wow. Wow. Really? Like, first of all, it's none of your business, but even if you wanted to know, there's a better way to go about asking it, which again, it's none of your business. It's a very like, strange concept. I remember um, somebody when my husband came to Cape Town, I remember somebody was asking me, oh, okay, so what's your PhD in? And I was like, no, no, it's not me doing the PhD. It's my my wife. And they were like, so you are not doing one, no. But your wife will do one. Yeah. <laughs> so your wife will have... And I was like, okay, hang on. So so what's what's the problem here exactly? Like, now we must do the same things. Mm. <laughs> now we must go... When one goes... When one does a PhD, the other one must do. When one does yeah. a master, the other must do. Like, is, is that how we are going to live our lives now? Like... What's a ridiculous? 
<laughs> it was just such a ridiculous exchange. It's also the idea that you can't quote unquote surpass your husband. It's the shock of, oh my gosh, you're letting your wife be more educated than you, letting your wife like surpass you in whatever metric they're using. But I find it really strange when people do that. I find it even more strange when they say it out loud. Because often I'm like, do you not hear yourself? Are you... That should have stayed in the draft, you know? Are you incapable of hearing how ridiculous you sound? Because it's one thing to think it and keep it to yourself. I mean, you're still iffy for that. It's another thing to actually voice it in public and not feel foolish. Because <laughs> why? Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I I think that's a question you must get quite a lot. Um which you, you know, know surprisingly sorry. no. And I think the reason I think the reason for that is because um I have curated my circles. Mm. So luckily nobody well, very few people do, and, and those that do are not um, you know, people that I have to interact with on a regular basis. So so thank goodness for that. Um, most people have been very supportive and haven't asked weird questions. And I'm really happy that even like my parents and his parents have all been extremely supportive about this. Even his grandma um, as oh. well. I remember when, yeah, when I was about to leave, you know, she, she was like, oh, so you're going fast just to make sure everything is okay. And then he'll come all oh, that night, you know, all the best. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. Like even his grandma was, was, is very supportive. Um, so yeah, the, the immediate the, the people that matter have been supportive. And, and ultimately, I think that's that's the most important thing. Everybody else and their opinions can stay. For me, it's even to the point where I had some family members, not immediate family, immediate family are very supportive, but I had to kind of um, distance some family members because they kept asking just questions that I, I felt I was going to be rude to the point of causing like family drama. So I just, people in their mouths, just need to stop yeah but yeah this has been such a good conversation thank you so that's the interview i had with me there i had such a good time speaking to her it was a very easy conversation to have and i genuinely learned a lot that's it for this week before i go i just want to let you know that i will attach a google form which is also on our twitter if you would like to be featured on the podcast or if you know someone who would there's a Google form in the show notes that you can fill in and I will reach out to you. You can also forward it to anyone who you think would be interested. So that's it for this week. Have a good weekend. That will be all for this episode of Stemming from Africa. I hope you have a great weekend and I hope to see and hear from you next Friday. <laughs>